0: A poem is a small machine made of words. William Carlos Williams.
1: Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. Exploring the poetry scene of Central Canada and beyond. With Amanda Earle.
0: And A.M. Kozak.
1: Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. I'm A.M. Kozak, and I'm here for a special episode with a special guest. I think it might be the first time we've had a person who does not identify as a poet uh, interviewed. Uh, I can't recall if we've had another non-poet, but I'm here with my good friend Mariah Horner.
0: Hello. (laughs) (laughs) C'est
1: moi. My co-host Amanda Earle is is not here because it's more of an impromptu, uh, quick episode. We've talked Amanda and I have talked a lot about having non-poets on to the podcast to discuss things that poets might be interested in. So I thought, why not give it a shot? Um, Mariah and I are both very interested in space and how that relates to um, the artistic process and how we um, perceive or experience art. So we're going to, we're going to delve into that a little bit. Uh, But first I'm going to introduce you to Mariah. Mariah is an actor, director, producer, and dramaturge based in Kingston, Ontario. She works with Spiderweb Show, a digital theater company, and she was the festival director of the Storefront Fringe Festival in Kingston from 2016 to 2018. Uh, Co founding the Cellador project with Devin Jackson in 2013, Mariah has produced 12 shows with the site specific company in cemeteries, record stores, bars, parks, and the Diefenbunker. Mariah played Kate Unger in George F. Walker's HBO series, Canada series, Living in Your Car. News to you. <laughs> And Mariah has had, no, I've used to, close to that. And Mariah has had an MA in theater theory and dramaturgy from U Ottawa. Up next, she's assistant directing Dara Titles yep. Behavior at the GCTC and developing Search Party, part party crawl, part digital scavenger hunt to be produced at Fold A in 2019. Welcome, Mariah.
0: Hello. Thank you for informing me only now that my bio is too long and now I just look like a total <laughs> this, asshole.
1: This is not the longest bio we have read out on the small machine talks, I do not think. Um so you're in town for for this um behavior show, is that right? May we What are you doing with you uh, your assistant directing?
0: I'm assistant directing it and it's at the Great Canadian Theatre Company. It's really it's just in a little studio there we're rehearsing, and right now we're just workshopping, which is a thing I don't know if poets really do. Actually maybe like Poetry parties would be examples of this. Yeah,
1: things. or like spoken word. Um, Circles, yeah. kind of. They would, they would workshop something, maybe. Or like, or like yeah, like um, workshopping, maybe the words, not some performance aspect of it, but just like...
0: Just everything like that? Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we're doing right now. For two weeks, we're working with all of our actors and all of our designers, and we're just trying everything. And it's awesome because we're not, there's no pressure to have a performance at the end of it. That's in March. So okay. this is just actually a brainstorm. A brainstorm. And it's cool. such a relief to, especially in theater, which is a... A medium that exists outside of you—you you can't read it. You have to do it to s- participate in it. Really, mm. we don't get to experiment very often. You know, you write plays and you read them, but how often do you actually get to like play with actors? Only when you have lots of money and you're doing a show, <laughs> you know. So, like, actually having the capacity to just experiment without the pressure of making the product right, the right. is fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, that does sound kind of nice, actually. It's it's all it's the the fun part of performance. In, in our creation without the, the pressure of having to like have results of a certain kind that are maybe a certain, uh, and that's when you, way.
0: that's where you feel. And I don't know if your other quotes on the podcast have talked about this or if you feel like this, but that's also when you feel like a real professional is the craft mm-hmm. itself is just worth it without having to do the performance. Like yes, an audience is necessary, but I feel like a real professional as an emerging artist. I feel professional because I'm mm-hmm. just experimenting and being paid to do that as worthy right. enough like even though the show's coming and we're helping generate ideas for it. But you're right, there's no pressure.
1: It really is the core of, of art making. I think what, why people go into creating, whether it's poems or theater or, or any sort of art, is, is that thrill or that drive or that passion, whatever you feel when you're you're just playing and, and creating it for the first time.
0: But do you like that? Do you like the actually being in the shit before it's done? Is that really the best part for you, too?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think... Having to, the pressure of, of releasing it into the world once it's done, quote unquote done, is um, kind of the least fun part for me. It's <laughs>
0: <Those are laughs> a baby and then.
1: Yeah. Then it's, then you're, then you're done. Like it's, mm-hmm. then it's, uh, you can't do anything with it and it's, it's, it's a finished product. Well, uh, let's not go too far off that. Well, this will probably touch a little bit into, into these sort of conversations as, as we get into some questions that I've, that I've prepared for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, please bear with us listeners. This is going to be a, uh, a little bit of a philosophical, uh, discussion about, about art creation and, and theater and poetry and that kind of stuff. So if we think of the stage as the body's performance space, how do the limits of a body's movement influence the audience conception of the performance, Mariah?
0: So listeners, <laughs> <laughs> for you and for me, repeat that question, Aaron. To not repeat it, explain what it means. Like, what do you mean? What are you asking?
1: That's actually yeah. That's uh. I should have probably rewrote that question before I um before I read it aloud. <laughs> eh? It
0: really made me think. I just really I I think I understand. You're trying to say like if if instead of thinking about a stage, we think about your body as the stage.
1: Yes. The body as yeah. a tool. Yeah. And wherever the body what is, body is can. the stage.
0: Yes. And what your body can do. Mm-hmm. If you have limitations as a physical body, like I.E. you have, you know, your body. All of us are built in different ways. I can't reach high cookie jars. Mm-hmm. I'm quite short, sure, but you know, other ones too. Then are you not telling the same story? Is that what you're asking?
1: Yeah, kind of. Like, so say that. So say that you're you do site specific theater, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe we can maybe talk. will actually introduce that a little bit. Okay. So how is the place? In site-specific theater, uh, integral to the to the the art, these the the play. Well,
0: in theater, there's two helpful terms to kind of separate two kinds of theater like this. One is environmental theater, which is probably honestly the most of this kind of theater people see, which is like using a real space as a 3D stage. So like. Hamlet taking place in a castle or Sleep No More in New York City, where you're in a full warehouse. And it's not just you okay. sitting in a seat and there being a wall, a fourth wall and a stage. The set is actually all around you and it's a real space. The the, the space in a theater is a theater. Okay. Kind of environmental theater is just, you know, that. The site Sleep No More and that kind of use of a 3D so there's no, immersive.
1: there's no like l- limit then to the stage; it just keeps going on as far as you can like see basically. Well,
0: no, like the show, one of the shows that we've worked on, New and Used in a record store, like that sets. Okay. It, but I just mean it's all the way around you. It's a full immersive space. It's not okay. like in a theater where it's generally you sitting in one place and the theater being on another side of the room, like even you know, the stage. Sorry, there's. A so it's more than it's
1: like three D rather than two D kind of.
0: Yeah, three D and immersive. You're in the middle of it, all the way around you. It's like VR. Okay. Um, so that's environmental theater. But the kind of theater that I do is site-specific theater when it actually means that it's like really meant for that place, in my opinion. That's what? how I use that term. What is so, it, What
1: do you mean meant for that place? So
0: the kind of work that I do with the company that I run in Kingston called Cellar Door Project is that I look into a space and I do research, oral history, interview people, or read about it in the archives and adapt a show that fits just right there. And performing it just in that spot gives you – um an extra rich experience it can't just be performed on any park bench it has to be specifically that park bench to tell another element of the story i believe that your act- actual physical body witnesses a story too like me asking you to walk somewhere is a way of understanding a, a story your mm-hmm. body how fast it is how hot you are is a way of interpreting stories and information so that's what site-specific theater means to me, so I'll find, you know, we, Aaron and I did a show together, Aaron wrote a show for the company that I run called The Gazenko Affair, and it was about Igor Gazenko, and it took place on a park bench, and that park bench was in view of his house, and it told the story of, like, a park bench in view of his house, so that's
1: site-specific theater. So if you move the space, move the site, not in that case can it be site-specific theater still? So say you did it somewhere else and it was the same sort of story and the same everything, but you did it a block away. What changes?
0: I don't... I guess maybe you're right. I guess I shouldn't... I'm not saying what the definition of site-specific theater is. I'm just kind of saying maybe my definition or the one I work with. I understand... There's something really special and charming for me about perspective when it comes to spaces. I kind of believe that places are witnesses to things. Okay. You know, when, like, you, your apartment, when you first move into your apartment and you're, like, aware that someone else lived in the apartment before you. It's tragically like, hip song called, wonder what my apartment does when I'm not around. But <laughs> other places that. like that, too, like, you know, you think about, it's like seeing old buildings that have things built up around them. They witness time passes, you know, people who were in horse-drawn buggies went on Somerset, the same Somerset that you and I walk on. Like that's, that's something about that is really special to me. And that's why I identify site-specific with that kind of work, because it's specific to that place. Perhaps. If you move it a block away, fine, that's...
1: How do you get to that perspective, though? You're saying that the trees in these buildings, they've seen all this history there. Um... But we're, we're not able to, like, put on the, the tree mask or the building mask and, like, see what they were seeing and, like, experience it as them. So how can we get at that sort of shared, that, that history that you're talking about that that is integral to that space that makes it so interesting to do the theater there?
0: By performing in it. Because... we well, you were
1: waiting for that, eh? I was,
0: you set me
1: up. You I was like, up. I was, like, trailing <laughs> off, and I was, like, oh, Mariah, i not going to answer this. Yes. She's just, like, sitting there. No, you set me
0: up. Because... When you perform live in front of me, there's no denying that you're really there. To me, in in live theater, not so much a TV, live TV even, there's like some suspensions. Live in front of me, you're really, really, really there. And if I'm at like a historical site, like a cemetery or something like that, and I can see something that was literally around in 1870 or something like that, you see that kind of witnessing up close because you're just like, that was that's still here and that was there then and now and it looks different. It lives. It has, you know, it wears, it ages. Okay. Like no, I'm not trying to say that like fucking trees have consciousness. That's really not like what I'm getting <laughs> at, but there's something you can witness time passing.
1: You're imagining it.
0: Yeah, you, you're, you're imagining it, it because you see them both in like right there next to bumping into each other.
1: Okay. So what makes a place interesting to you from the performance perspective? Because that's how we're, we're, we're experiencing it through the performance. So what makes a place interesting to you from, from that mindset?
0: I love places that are really imposing in their characteristics. So whether that be a church, when you walk in a church, like you're going to be quiet. Like there's something imposing okay. about that space. It tells you how to behave almost. Like,
1: like a social order?
0: Yeah, a social order, a way to behave. Like, you know, I walk into a church and there's no sign that needs to say it. Be quiet, but mm. my understanding of, like you say,
1: like it's a shared interpretation that a lot of people going to that space would have the same kind of reaction. We expect them to have the same kind of reaction.
0: And I also feel like it's built like that. Like when you walk in,
1: it's like physically, it's like. Whew.
0: You know, there's like Mm -hmm. a feeling about it that's like, whoa.
1: Very often big buildings.
0: Yeah, but that's just a church. I'm thinking of other places like that. Like, I've I've done a show in a record store that was like so small. You saw
1: it. Yeah, it was very crowded.
0: Very, very crowded, and so many records. So you actually had to like move your body and think about a way that you had to move in it so you wouldn't knock shit over. It makes you active. That's what's interesting to me about spaces.
1: It's also like, it seems more like a puzzle for you to have to navigate when you're in a space like a record store where. The planning all those individual movements that you're having is just to be a lot more labor intensive, I guess, or just artistically intensive too. Cause there's it's more going into the actual, I don't know, performance and setup for the performance.
0: The other thing that makes this kind of work so interesting to me is this term that I learned in theater school. I was like stupid, but phenomenology, which oh, is yeah. like, it means like that whatever your experience is, is true. You know what I mean? Like I can't tell you a red dress means, you know fucking motherhood you're gonna make it mean what you want it to mean when you see it okay. you know and uh those kind of spaces do that because mm-hmm. no one no one person's going to experience that the same way yes no one person's going to experience like seeing phantom of the opera in the theater the same way but generally you're all looking the same direction you're all sitting like you go do a show in the record store like you had to dodge something that somebody else didn't have to dodge oh,
1: so it's like a personalized experience
0: mm-hmm. i don't even have to do any other work the loudness of the space does that
1: oh i see so it's almost like um what i would think of like as a, a writerly versus a readerly text i remember learning this in like first year english or something readerly is like writerly is the 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 reader is like actively writing along with the writer you're actively constructing a meaning with with the writer whereas mm-hmm. if you're if you're reading it if you're just reading it passively it's more like being impressed upon you and you're telling something to you and you're just like you know back listening and accepting it
0: So you're saying the kind of work I do is writerly? Yeah. I, I fucking so. love that. It's true though. Like I'm you're making the moment at the same time I am. Mm-hmm. That's why I I really like doing this kind of kind of theater I'm selfish <laughs> or maybe I believe that you should be selfish or well, is
1: very, it's very postmodern of you I think is
0: it I don't
1: really even know what that means I'm not 100% sure either but I feel like <laughs> I'm like 70% everyone sure
0: everyone ever <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, that's what I'm going to go with I think that's I think that's right um, so talking a bit more about site specific theater because actually I remember the site specific theater that's how I that's how I that's how I got to know you that's how I when I I saw your your theater company I remember on on Facebook or something and I before you knew me oh yeah before I knew you did you ever tell me this yes it's like one of the first things that I told you we met. and you were you were actually also very surprised then and happy about it um oh, so I saw it I just happened we happened, happened to have happened at mutual connection with someone and I saw a, a post about it and I like read about it's like a site-specific theater in space. And like, I was like, oh, my God, I was writing my, I was doing my thesis on this exact same topic, mm. but not from the theater perspective, obviously. Um, so, yeah, that's how, that's why we wow. you know, started talking. Yours is from, story.
0: like, poetry or from just non-fiction?
1: my friend who No oh, you're in
0: your thesis but you don't know. Oh yeah, from on poetry. Yeah.
1: Well, poetry but from like also like a theoretical perspective as well. I did, like geography theory and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was uh, on uh, on poet poets writing about place. Lisa Robertson and um, George Bowery. Um yeah. And I'm trailing off. Um, so site-specific site theater, um, I it's think it's hard to it
0: say. Everyone, is. can I tell you I something? Can you need to take a
1: drink of water to say this. I have
0: to tell you something, anyways. I, I read your question to the people I was staying with last night, my friend Nicole, mm-hmm. and uh, and my friend Connor. And Connor was like. Place-based theater is a way better way to say it, which is what you write. Place-based or space-based? Mm-hmm. It's like way easier to say than site-specific theater. Uses
1: Can so we change content. it? Do we have like? Are we allowed to? I have the, do
0: we have the power? Yeah, to that's what
1: I'm asking. Yeah, who the
0: phenomenology says what you say is true is true, baby.
1: That's true. Is there like a, a site-specific theater like group that we have to convince to change the name or to petition or anything?
0: Yeah. He's write a letter my email
1: <laughs> okay, perfect. No, I'm just
0: kidding totally kidding it's probably like an academic thing you can go whatever you want I agree though place-based is better maybe I should steal that from you
1: alright in that case is the purpose of place-based theatre <laughs> to get someone to lose themselves in that space or is it to wake them up either to like a particular reality or understanding or point of view so it
0: depends for different for every show you think I don't know. I never want my audience. Like I was just saying earlier, I'm interested in an active audience. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, even if they're losing themselves, they're waking themselves up to something else. You know what I mean? Like I do believe that immersive theater has a real potential to fucking immerse you in the story that you're watching, right? If you're smelling the things and walking through the place, right. it's easy to get really, it's immersive. It surrounds you all the way around this reality. Is, I I but I don't know if I ever want anyone to like get lost in it. It's still active, in my opinion.
1: If you're getting lost in something, is it is it not active?
0: I don't know. <laughs> That's a hard <laughs> question, Aaron.
1: I told yeah. you I was gonna ask you hard questions.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that not still an active process? I, Yes, I guess the act of getting lost is an act. I would agree with that. So maybe that's true.
1: I guess my question comes from, so if you're talking about, um, let's let's take a, a park for an example because it's an easy easy example, mm-hmm. and we're, we're choosing to set a play in a park. Mm-hmm. We're choosing that because we think that park has a certain meaning or a certain history or something that we think is important or worthwhile. Mm-hmm. So as we take people and we put them in that space, With this idea that that is meaningful, are we asking them to wake up to something, some particular understanding or point of view that we that is obviously shared with us because we're telling them this is what a space should the space that we should go and do this thing at? Or do you think that it's uh, the purpose of site specific theater or place based theater is to create like sort of like a new world that didn't exist before? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it kind of does. But I guess, again, my answer is why I said at the very first time I said this, which is it's different for every project. Like, hmm. sometimes I am imagining a future.
1: Can you give me an example of a project where you would do one or the other?
0: Yeah, let's see. An example of a show. Okay, actually, the show that we're working on right now, Search Perfect. Party. Search Party. It's a shameless plug as well. You can link us to currently, it. Currently, great. I'm co-creating a show with some friends of mine in Kingston called Search Party. And it's a digital party that we plan on a Facebook group. And then we hide it in Kingston and people have to find it through GPS. And it's like a part party crawl, part scavenger hunt on the internet. So in that case, I'm imagining the future. I'm planning something. I am, like you said, like imagining a world that's not there. Yeah with people in a space, but most of the other shows I've done, like, you know, we, this show that we did, Gazenko Affair, that was about, uh, Igor Gazenko, that was to a way to just kind of remind us of that things that space had, had witnessed what, w- w- you know, woken us up to.
1: But do you think that, do you think the difference then between those two things is kind of what we we're talking about earlier with actively versus passively or writerly versus readerly where that your example of the new show you're doing, it seems like you guys are, Almost creating that movement together. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very active, obviously. Whereas what we did was, here is a place of historical significance. Here's a story I have about it. Listen. It's still 3D, but it's a little bit different. It seems like a different process.
0: But it's never listen, it's always do it with me. As soon as we ask people to not go to the theater and we ask them, like, come sit outside in the cold with us. We're asking something more. You think that's
1: participatory in itself.
0: Oh fuck yeah it is. Okay, For sure it is. Like or maybe participatory is not the right word, but it asks more of you as an audience. <clears throat> okay, I can agree it, with that. It automatically I remember there's this great theater maker in Toronto, he makes site specific theater too, his name is Mitchell Cushman and I Cushman, I'm so sorry, one of the two. Uh, I went to a talk of his in Toronto. He runs a great company called Outside the March, and the talk was about why he loved making this kind of work. And he said it was because he liked to start at ground zero of assumptions. So when you go to a theater, you know, like, I have to wear this. I'm going to sit down. Usually I'm going to be quiet. The bells mean stop peeing. It's time to watch a show. Whereas you do a show in a park. How do people get there? What do they wear? Do they sit? Like, all of a sudden, everybody's experience starts from the beginning, so it asks a lot more of your audience. Mm -hmm. So even the like a Zanko show, I wouldn't say was like, here's our story that we're telling you, listen to us, learn from us. It was more just like, you can learn from us by doing it with us. You can learn
1: from us in like such a... So basically what you're saying is it's not like, I set it up as kind of a binary, like this or this, but it's clearly not very few things are like that anyway. So yeah. it's more like...
0: I wonder what's in between writerly and readerly.
1: Um, play space theater. <laughs> uh, let's take a short break, test out our levels, and we'll come back with the second half. All right. Welcome back. Um, So we took a little break there. I reread the question that I started the podcast off with and tried to decipher it. And I think I understand. I think I've parsed my language. Buckle up, folks. And I think I have the real question.
0: Lay it on us, Aaron.
1: All I really wanted to say was how does the set or the set design impact how people you know, interact with the performance or like experience the performance. Because when we're talking about site-specific theater, place-based theater, the set design is like the choice of location, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you might make some modifications, but that is the set. Whereas in a more traditional theater setting, it's in a building, the theater, right?
0: In a building, in a theater, in a set. Yeah. Like, you know, some plays just are on a, in a black box that have no sets, but most plays have a set sure. design that is a kitchen sure. or is a
1: something. Exactly, but site type of specific theater, you're, um, for the most part... The this, world. The, the world or the place that you have selected to meet up and start the or have the show is the set.
0: So what's the question?
1: Is, How does the set influence, like...
0: In either case.
1: Yeah. Okay. So it's basically what does... a, a core component of place-based theater, how does that impact the experience?
0: So for me, a lot of it is about this thing that I was talking about earlier, which is like the 3D element or the immersive element. Mm -hmm. And that I like to, I am someone who likes to ingest things in a really kind of immersive way. I like to be in the inside of something to understand how it works. and you know whereas a a traditional set design there's like a wall there and you're watching something Mm -hmm. happen unfold you but you're not a participant in the room and let me get this clear is that not all plays would do fucking well with an immersive site-specific performance like some plays need to have a fourth wall like brecht or there are lots of playwrights that that when they're produced is like their theaterness is part of the story that they're trying to tell okay you know um But for me, like why site specific theater is so awesome is just because it allows me to understand things with my body as much as my mind, like Hmm. feeling cold in a place is a way for me to, that's a story that I can see or, you know, or sorry, I can feel, um, it's not just my brain. Yeah, it is like yoga. Why is it like yoga?
1: Well, or like playing music too it a little bit. It's uh, a physical interaction with the mental interaction as well. It's like a uh, multimodal, multi-perception based. Uh, ex- it's more full of uh, experience, I guess. Yeah. Multiple, multiple senses. I, f- I
0: feel like we got to put our body through the machine to understand things too. Like even the process mm-hmm. of going to an art gallery. Think about the difference of that between just like looking at a book. Yeah. You know, walking and being quiet and reading the little signs. like yeah, that's, It's more
1: immersive. I think that's what yeah. we often use as immersive. immersive
0: and I don't know, like, immersive doesn't equal better, but that's just the way I like to. Sure. Yeah, inherit. it's fuller.
1: It's, it's more stuff.
0: We did a great show in our second year of the company called On the Run. My dear friend Kyle Hollerin wrote and directed it, and it was about an escape from the pen. Mm -hmm. in the penitentiary in Kingston and it was like a full-on running play like you had to run to follow the actors or like you couldn't do it it was not physically accessible and we did a radio show version of it too um and that's a big problem accessibility is a big issue I was actually
1: I was actually wondering about that what do you what kind of considerations do you have around accessibility and what does accessibility mean because in some ways I would I would think that Accessibility means um, breaking down the psychological boundaries people have when going to the theater.
0: Bingo. That,
1: that's that's accessibility. Yep. But um, it, are these places physically accessible? No. Or, you know, okay, so maybe maybe talk a little about that.
0: Yeah, you, you, you said it for me, though. <laughs> but, no, it's true. It's exactly those two things, which is that I feel part of the reason I was attracted to this, to this kind of theater and to making this kind of theater is I, I really like community-engaged work. I've always yeah. really liked to do the show's, shows I like to do them in record stores and bars and parks because then people who go to bars and parks and record stores will come to my shows instead mm-hmm. of just other theater artists you know like I want to interact with the real world and you're right there is a socioeconomic history with going to the theater and being told how to behave in the theater and I'm actually not that interested in that so accessible in that kind of way like I love when we did the show we did a show at the at this dive bar you saw it at the Royal Tavern in Kingston what kind of bar is that Aaron
1: um, I did not see that show. Oh, you didn't.
0: No, wow. <laughs> I was just going along with it. You so- nodding until I asked. <laughs> the, the only show
1: <laughs> oh I goodness. saw yours in Kingston was the, was the record store show. I did not travel to Kingston more than once more to than see yours. So
0: we did the show called the world. Um, it's called Eliza show. Sounds it was in the though. Royal Tavern, and it was a dive bar. It was like the laugh.
1: I've of. heard about it so much that it feels like oh, I've been. Oh God. <laughs> um,
0: but a lot of people who gave that show were like sixty plus. I shit you not like leather bikers who just go into that bar and they have a beer there every Wednesday. So like shit one weekend they had to deal with watching the play yeah. and it was such an interesting experience. Like not always was it good. And I learned a lot about, you know, the privilege and, and, you know, a young privileged woman entering a space that's not hers and like claiming it and what that yeah, feels yeah, like. I'm taking over it. Yeah. Um, but I do say that that was, it was accessible to a person that doesn't usually go to the theater, but you're right. Physical accessibility. We're way behind. Like most of the shows that I've created are, are, are not. And it's something that I really want to do some more, lots more work on. I work for the other company I worked for Spiderweb show does digital. Work, which is not always socioeconomically accessible, but helps uh, well, often with other kinds of accessibility. I think so.
1: when i I think a lot about access and accessibility and the type of the type of work that I do, and it's very interesting topic to me because once you start um, changing something, once you start trying to make it more accessible for one group of people, often it becomes more inaccessible for a different group of people, mm-hmm. and sometimes you don't even realize. Um, initially what their group of people is going to be like disadvantaged or not Mm -hmm. Um, it's going to be less accessible for more barriers for them so there are so many examples of where it's like digital digital if you have digital access it could be free for you and you could be accessing all sorts of artistic um, content and, and stuff like that if you don't have internet access you have none of it yeah so right, right there, you are giving a whole bunch of people that would never have had access to something, access to it, and taking it away from a bunch of other people.
0: There's a great... Jan Derbyshire, who's a theater maker from Calgary, says, one size fits one.
1: Yeah.
0: That's the model for accessibility, and that's challenge. But yeah, so it's something
1: that's... I think then as you're... If like if the mandate then of of what you're trying to do with with place-based theater, site-specific theater is to make it more you have a target audience, we'll call it uh, that you're trying to make the thing more accessible for. And if you're, you're hitting those goals, I don't know, I think that's probably still you can't. It's going to be very difficult to have something that is accessible to every single person because then it's like what is what does that look what does that look like in in reality in actuality. You know, mm-hmm. I just we just think about. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting and difficult uh, topic when you're thinking about all the different aspects of accessibility when you're putting on putting on a show.
0: And we're like in ways that I fail. I want to work on physical access. That's a barrier for lots of people trying to see our work. But you remember when you were in elementary school and you would take those kind of quizzes that were like, I learn by words. I learn by doing things. What were they called? You do those quizzes. It was like reader or writer or active learner, kinetic, kinesthetic, or whatever. I was
1: called to us in grade eight.
0: Wow, <laughs> lots of news for you this week, listeners.
1: <laughs> I did not have to do any of those types of tests.
0: I had to do some, and maybe some others. You grew up in I took Ontario. Took like a
1: personality test in grade eight. That was like, what type of intelligence are you?
0: And it was like kinetic or yeah,
1: yeah. There was, was like uh, yeah, yeah, reading and reading. Yeah, writing. that's
0: the testing mean. Come on.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds. That sounds like a real thing.
0: So. I do think that immersive theater gives more room for that. Oh. If you're someone who like the Record Store show, for example, lots of people listened to it and just looked at the records. Didn't watch the show, just listened to it like a radio play, and instead looked at the records. That was their that was the way that they chose to ingest it. So there's more
1: it. options, I guess.
0: Yeah. So it's like excess yeah. it I don't know. I wanna work on accessibility. It's a thing that it's not so good with the Door project, for sure.
1: Accessibility, yeah, accessibility is one of those topics that everyone needs to constantly work on too. Yeah. We all need to. Um it's, it's which is what to me makes it so interesting because it's one of those problems that are just like you can always just keep attacking. Um,
0: not attacking. Uh, not solving either. Is a problem. It's not a problem either. Yeah. it's like
1: a accessibility, trying to make something accessible.
0: Yeah, inaccessibility is a
1: problem. Sure, I think the I like making things accessible is a problem. Like it's difficult to be able to do that all the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: to be able to solve the problem of making everything accessible. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, historical sites are like that. That's a big thing for us. having worked in some historical sites, you know, like working in worked in a cemetery and stuff like that. No way can we do anything, make any ramps. Mm-hmm. But yeah, work in progress. We're all learning.
1: Um. All right, so speaking of places, where is your dream place to put on a show? And what sort of thing would you do?
0: This changes once a month, man. Has everyone ever, ever asked you, like, what's your dream poem to write?
1: No, actually, no one has ever oh, asked. Oh,
0: <laughs> I feel like I should ask you now. No. <laughs> no,
1: I ask the questions around you. You ask the
0: questions. Right now, I'm really into spectacle i would really like to stage a big cast show in a site and i have a show idea so it's not like a dream show it's just like something i it's it is i don't know our dream shows supposed to be like things that you will like never really do like if i could like do one in space is that the right answer or
1: i think you could i think i would accept either type of answer one that you thought was realistic and not realistic
0: one i would love to do a show on the ice That would be a thing I would really like to do. Any ice? uh, Yeah, I'd like to do one in Lake Ontario. Uh, Like just, you know, skating or.
1: Does Lake Ontario freeze? Parts of
0: it. No, it You're doesn't. You're probably right. I have well, no Kingston, idea. It, well, Kingston's kind of, it's like St. Lawrence and Lake Ontario, but it froze one summer. I was there and I really wanted to do a show. It would be so cool. The sound of cracking or a pond, you know. <laughs> the <I> mean, sound <laughs> of
1: cracking ice underneath the audience I'm be so cool. It's
0: so immersive.
1: <laughs>
0: so yeah, this is that's my dream one that will never happen because of high insurance, you know. But the other show that I'm really interested in working on right now is, like I said, Spectacle. I'm really into doing like a show with a big cast in a place like this. I, you know, I usually I do very intimate, small spaces, but I'd be really interested in like filling big, like you said, the stage of the world, fill it, fill the world, make it very like a lot of
1: like a crowd, yeah, a crowd. A crowd in.
0: I, so, of, I Remember when those things were very popular? Um, no crowd.
1: Oh, flash mobs. Flash mobs.
0: Not that. I don't want to do a flashback. <laughs> but the show that I've my dream show right now is um, Kingston Penitentiary. My grandfather, who passed away two years ago, was a semi-professional baseball player. And in the 60s, he used to be invited there to play baseball against the inmates. Yep. And he has this like great scrapbook of like stories and photos and stuff. So I really want to do a show that's like a baseball game in the back of the pen. And the show is like either the audience is the people in bleachers or maybe the audience is playing. Hmm. Big, big game. Because I'm so interested, like, in Kingston. I do this kind of work. People are like, when are you going to do a show one? at the pen? But I don't want to do a prison play about prison. I want to tell a different kind of story. Oh, that would
1: be so hard to get in there, eh? Do you able to do a play there?
0: I don't know. This is why also outside easier than inside.
1: Oh, interesting. That would be a very interesting play, though, Wouldn't I it? Yeah, I think so. And it is possible. It's not quite outer space. I think it is possible. It's not
0: quite, like, cracking lake. No. <laughs> bring Bringing <laughs> people on.
1: It's <laughs> like... Someone Googled does Lake Ontario freeze.
0: Yeah, and then get back to
1: us. I feel like these are the types of things that I feel kind of embarrassed to admit that I have no idea. I don't know if the lakes really freeze over, but I feel like most people probably don't know that, right?
0: Yeah. Does everyone
1: know about lakes freezing? I I don't don't know.
0: know. I don't know. (laughs) I guess if you lived near a lake, you would know. Yeah, you probably wouldn't. of Kingston did freeze. I remember where, but again, it's kind of a mix of the St. Lawrence. I don't
1: know if it freezes. I don't know if the canal freezes. I know that. That's and it goes true. into a lake eventually. Um, so would you use a – so, okay, yeah. Oh, i got I to think about how I'm going to phrase this. Mm.
0: Imagine the sound would. of cracking ice <laughs> under you as
1: you do this. Okay, so say – I'm going to take a example. I think it might be a little easier. So say that we're making a play about uh, a baseball game in a park, mm-hmm. and it's going to be in this park. We decide to build a uh, a blanket fort around the park to have the baseball game in. Does
0: why not a tent?
1: Okay, a tent, whatever.
0: <laughs> I like <laughs> imagination though, a blanket fort around a park. Uh,
1: because you've designed a blanket fort before for oh, a play. nice, nice. Um so how so and then you're like, this is the stadium or where, where this this blanket fort is now the stadium. Mm-hmm. How important is um, t- so would you first of all would you would you ever consider doing something like that in a site specific or place-based theater context where you're in that historical space, whether it's a park or wherever, but you're still building something to contain the people within that space, like a set.
0: <laughs> why would you
1: ever do this? I don't know. <laughs> is no question. Like That's why I'm asking you, would you do that?
0: That's like um, a studio with film and TV. Would I do that? Like, I don't even oh. have the money to like, build a set around. A set, just build would, one set. Would
1: one do that in would a place based your context?
0: I'd say it usually goes the other way around. Like, you'd be in a warehouse and you'd build a smaller set in a warehouse mm. instead of, like, a thing around the warehouse. I'm trying to think of a context. It reminds me of, like...
1: I will also accept the building a smaller thing inside a warehouse as an example. So would you go in a warehouse and build a stage within in there?
0: Oh yeah. i would like, there's lots of examples of site specific shows that take over a full warehouse and every room is a different world. Like oh, there are parties like that, even, you know, like oh. that kind of experience of like seeing lots of different kinds of places uh, transformed in, in like sleep no more, which is one of probably most famous site specific shows mm-hmm. is, um, an adaptation of Macbeth that's in a full warehouse and it's like a full, like you go to a dining room and you go to dance and you get locked in closets and oh, every room has desks that have like full props inside their letters and shit like that.
1: Yeah. So you're just rummaging on someone's house.
0: Essentially. Yeah. Well, it's like a warehouse.
1: Right.
0: But, um, so I guess you're always building like little worlds and worlds and worlds and oh, worlds, right? Deep. Like deep,
1: Okay, but what about like, if you're, let's take, this is probably a really stupid question that I'm thinking of, it, but so say that if you had, so let's say you're in a warehouse, you build something in that warehouse, everyone's inside this, this, this world that you've created, this stage but it's still in the warehouse It's inside a room in that warehouse that you built, or it's inside of a tent in that warehouse that you built. Mm -hmm. Is it still in that same, like historically significant place? Is it still site specific or place based theater because you have built something to contain it?
0: Oh yeah. And it's also just telling a different story about it. You know, like if I'm going to put a tent in a warehouse, I'm telling a different story about the warehouse in relation to the tent, Hmm. you know? Yeah. I think I've, I've fucked this all up by I making it seem like there is a definition <laughs> of site-specific or place-based. I guess it's just like that's just that's it's less like what it is and more what I'm interested in.
1: Right. So is then is place-based or site-specific theater just like theater that considers place and site?
0: Yeah, which is essentially what I was saying, but. The kind of work I do is just there's the added element of like the theater of the real, the realness being a part of it, being an element in my performance, like right. that bench, this church. But you're right. You know, it is uh, it's just any sort of any sort of live performance that considers space as integral in telling the story.
1: Hmm. And
0: I say space, not set. Yes. You know, space. Yes. Fully inside.
1: So, and it could be digital then.
0: Could be digital. Could be digital. Can
1: you tell me a little bit of more about? I, I I was very curious when you're talking about the show that you're planning to do in Kingston, but I didn't want to interrupt you um, before when you're giving an ex- giving the example of it. So let me see if I understand this correctly. You're sending out a some sort of invitation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Digital invitation. It's already out. It's already out. You,
0: you could join it, everybody. Ygk search party.
1: Great, so you can look this up on on the internet.
0: On the internet.
1: Um, and then you download something, and you get a GPS tracker. Like, how does that work?
0: So we're not quite. We haven't quite figured out which exact app we're using. Okay. We're working in conversation with a few developers who have. Apps. In
1: conversation with a few developers.
0: Yep. Two <laughs> is a few. Not a
1: not a not a phrase I expected to hear this evening.
0: Yeah, I know from Little old Me. <laughs> but these two apps, you know, or apps that we're working with, we're just looking for something that's like geolocated and has the ability to have pictures and video. We don't really know what kind of story we're telling with that, but basically what it is is that we're gonna plan, send an invitation online. You can join this thing, you're gonna help us plan a party. Okay. Literally, we're gonna ask you where should it be, what kind of food should so you like eat So like crowdsourcing
1: the party. The party. Oh, yeah, okay.
0: and then we are gonna put it somewhere in Kingston.
1: Who decides it's- where it's gonna be?
0: I think we're, the way we're going to frame it is like, what kind of place is it going to be?
1: Then you gonna choose it, where it's going to be, because okay. part of
0: the fun of this is the crawl element. And we're I can't talk too much about it because we don't really know. Like, we're not super far in in what that's going to look like, but okay. it is, we're trying to play with this idea of, can you really create, like, a party is the people. That's mm. why a party is fun. What we're trying to play with is, can we create... Something interesting that feels like a party thus having a community. Can we do that on the internet? Basically, we're trying to see if we can make a meme group,
1: (laughs) but they're going to all meet up in person at the end at the end.
0: So our our thing is like, you know, how do you know somebody on the internet before you know them in real life? And can you can you co-create like a celebration together
1: Interesting
0: so yeah, so that's that's what that that project is, and it's part of a theater festival in Kingston called Folda Festival of Live Digital Art, and it plays with a lot of interesting questions about space, digital I would space, it would. We use AR and VR, and you know, even when I was telling you about this earlier, you were like, "That's not theater," and that's a big question we have <laughs> because
1: is that what you were telling me about earlier? It's the same show.
0: Not the same show, the same company.
1: Oh, I see. Oh, I see. It's the same
0: company that's doing the same kind of
1: work. And to be fair, I didn't say that's not a theater. I said I'm going to put my Mariah hat on and say that's not a theater.
0: So what do you think? (laughs) Is digital space a space?
1: Absolutely it is.
0: Yeah, for sure it is.
1: Absolutely it is. I think so. It's just a new space that we're not really sure how to um, completely um, integrate with our, like, our conceptions of space i guess or historical conceptions of space mm-hmm. but it is absolutely a growingly um relevant and um essential part of how we interact and experience reality is, is digital space right um yeah it's absolutely space so i guess theater just like every other art form it evolves with things around it so I think, I think that the art that you're, that you're talking about and making is very, uh, very interesting from like a, wow, the world point of view. Like the world is like changing so quickly. Like
0: yeah.
1: you guys are making a theater thing and you're like getting a developer, like, like getting an app. that's that's insane. We never would have conceived of this like even a few years ago. It it's insane
0: like, for us too. It's true. The worlds huh. are, they don't necessarily mesh together evenly. Yeah. But um, the thing about digital technologies that's so interesting when it comes to comparing them with um, live performance mm. is most digital technologies need to be used to understand if they work. User testing is fucking huge when it comes to any sort of like yeah. video game program, like yeah. participation is necessary to understanding the thing. It's like live performance too. If you need the audience, if the tree falls in the forest, mm. you know, if nobody, if nothing, uses technology doesn't exist at all you know like you need yeah. an element of user testing yeah exactly. um which makes it a nice pair well. for live performance so yeah it's not out. it's not always it does feel like wow the world is changing <laughs> and i think like the, the people i work with with spiderweb show like that's just kind of what their question their, their thought is is like you know world is changing we are getting new you know, new tools that our at our disposal and the world looks fucking different. And if we don't move it along with it, like when people first started using electric lights in theater, people yeah. were like oh, the candles, you know, yeah. it's always,
1: this isn't really theater. There's no candles.
0: Yeah. Bob Dylan played electric guitar and everyone was like, what? Not doing the thing anymore.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's, uh, yeah. And then our definitions of theater and play space and everything continues to evolve with, uh, things that change around us
0: that's why like even talking about digital work is interesting in this podcast like that we're focusing on place and space and digital work is because like oh my god like thing i don't quite understand is how do humans interact with internet as a space or as a place like i have like I don't know if you ever read about, you probably did in your master's about the difference between space and place. Oh yeah. And the internet is a space to me, right? I'm like the internet, it's like same thing as like the, yeah. you know, like the, the gym or something like that. Like it's a big, it has a container and stuff like that.
1: This is a, yeah, this is a great plug for my uh, blog that I, that I, that I run on uh, place based uh, writing.
0: Oh, do you? Yeah, what is it? Tell it, us about it. It's Aaron.
1: called uh, describing space. And nice. I'm going to, I'm going to read what the, uh, um, are about says so it says space is empty it's only through interaction where it transforms into a place so I would say that the internet is an empty space that we you know we put me. once you start putting meaning on something that's what makes it a place
0: yes my bookmarks are yeah. my, my curated interests on twitter
1: that's a place
0: see like but that's what I'm really interested in about digital is like the space and placeness of the digital world mm-hmm and I feel like live theater is an interesting moment to experiment. You know, my,
1: there was a, an interesting um, thing I was reading when I was doing my master's on this this sort of thing. And there was this, I think he was like an anthropologist theorist who talked about non-places. And his example, though, was airports. How you go to airports to get somewhere else. It's not really its own place. Like oh an a, airport
0: is a non-place.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's a someplace to like get some place to get somewhere else. It's just like a waiting spot. Even it?
0: a train is more of a, a like a place than an airport to me.
1: Yeah, kind of, yeah. I don't know. It's it's interesting to think about because it's like, is it a place or isn't it? I I don't know. It's it's because because you're not going there just to be there. You're going there to go somewhere else. And the internet to me is sort of and similar, similar in a digital point of view because it's like it's a it's a way to transmit you to something or to transmit you to information or some place or some image or some mm-hmm. video or whatever. But the internet itself, it's like. It's just like a platform, I guess.
0: And zeros and ones.
1: Yeah. Well, anyway, that's probably about as good as place of any to uh, stop these shenanigans. Um, Mariah, can you remind us again uh, the things that you're doing right now, or in uh, that we can search, and if yeah. we loved hearing you talk.
0: That's so great! If I can't <laughs> believe that's this is so great. Thank you for having me, Aaron. Uh, my stuff is my company I run is called Cellar Door Project. Next show we're doing is called Search Party, and that's part digital scavenger hunt, part party crawl in Kingston next summer. So you can join the Facebook group. It's called YGK search party, just the letters YGK or follow us on Instagram with the same name. And, uh, yeah, otherwise just follow us on the more project and you'll catch up with whatever else we're doing and keep listening to this podcast. Never stop.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Thanks for the plug. All right. Thanks everyone. Uh, next episode we'll be back with, uh, myself and Amanda. Um, I think anyway, let's, we'll see what happens. All right. Take care, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Small Machine Talks with Amanda Earl and AM Kosak.